Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. Sunday, we continued our study through the book of James, and so join us as we continue the journey in our verse-by-verse study by looking at wisdom. Love you all. I got you all a Valentine's Day gift. And so our ushers are going to come forward. They got a little something for you to, to chew on, to suck on during this, uh, during this message. Um, and so... And so go ahead and hand those out to everybody. If you don't like chalk-flavored candy, I'm sorry, but uh, hey, this is the good stuff, right? This is the, the sweetheart stuff. Just to let you guys know that I love you, I care about you, we're so glad that you're here on Valentine's Day. Well, good morning once again and welcome. Welcome to part two in our series on the book of James. And uh, some of you came back this week, and so that's a good thing, and so that means that last week's little slap in the face that we had with the kind of tough message, uh, it didn't scare you away too much, and if you want to check that message out, you can download the Fam Church app and just click on the little podcast thing on the app, and you can listen to uh, all the messages that we have up there, or else you can go out to Facebook and uh, watch the video, because it is still out there. And uh, we got through the first four verses in James chapter 1, and so today uh, we are going to uh, continue uh, by reading the next uh, three verses, um, so that would be five, six, oh, that's four verses, five, six, seven, and eight. Um, we're going to tie in, though, chapter three, verses 13 through 18 with this, because it has the same th- sort of theme, and I don't want to have to repeat this in a couple of months when we arrive in chapter three. Okay, so today's verses, we are going to talk about wisdom. No one's excited about that? What's the question, or the question that comes into my mind anyways, maybe you don't have the same question, but when I hear the word wisdom, the thought, the question that flows out of that becomes, what is wisdom? Because we live in a place where people get wisdom and intelligence confused. Okay, intelligence is something that we are born with. It's something that's there inside of us. It's something that that we just have, and you can't gain more of it. You can't become more intelligent as a general rule. I mean, you can study and stuff, but there are, are limits to what you can do. I mean, not all of us can become Albert Einstein in this room. There's maybe one of us that could do that because of how intelligent the man was. And the thing is that you can be very wise and not be considered intelligent by world's standards. And so wisdom, what is it? It's defined as having the experience, knowledge, common sense, insight, and good judgment in making decisions. So what that means is wisdom comes through to us through a variety of channels, through a variety of things. It comes from us learning from our experiences in life. And uh, there are some people out there that uh, don't do a very good job of that. Do you know anybody who does a terrible job at learning at their experiences from life? They just make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over and over again. Then there's learning from watching other people's experiences and the mistakes that they make in life. And I got to tell you, this one I get on a soapbox for because it drives me crazy. See, so many people will look at what other people have gone through in the same or similar situations and watch the whole thing fall apart on them and they'll say, well, I'm going to do exactly what they did. And the reason they say that is because they have this logic that even though it turned out disastrous for everyone else, I'm different. You know, I'm smarter. 
I'm better, and so if I do it, it's going to turn out differently. So let's take smoking crack for an example. You know, you decide you're going to start smoking crack, and you look at the life and the pattern and the direction that everyone's life has gone who's done that, and you just stop and you say to yourself, well, that's, that's them. That's not me. I'm different. I'm better. I'll be able to smoke crack and keep it all together. It will turn out different for me. No, it won't. Don't be dumb. Learn from other people's experiences. Okay? So off my soapbox there. Uh, but I've just had so many people say that to me. It'll be different for me. It'll be different for me. It'll be different for me. No, it won't. All right, then wisdom also comes from us being able to look at a situation and say to ourselves, what would make the most sense here? And the thing that we have to know is that wisdom has a true starting point, or true wisdom has a starting point. And it's not just looking at our experiences or the experiences of others. It's not just about what makes sense. The starting point of wisdom is actually found in the book of Proverbs. And so in Hebrew, the language that the book of Proverbs was originally written in, the the word Proverbs actually means skill in living. And so what the purpose of this book of Proverbs was to do was to help us gain wisdom and skill for living life. But it's not just a general wisdom that we obtain, okay? It's not just some general sort of knowledge that we have. It's wisdom that comes from God's perspective. And the belief of Solomon, the guy who wrote the book of Proverbs, is that in applying what is written in this book of Proverbs to your life, you will, make, uh, you will be wise in God's eyes as well as that it will give you greater happiness and life. And Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, begins by telling us what the foundation, what the starting point for wisdom is. And it basically says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where wisdom starts. And I want to talk about that for a minute because when we hear the word fear, all kinds of different ideas enter into our minds, right? We think of the, uh, the person uh, waiting behind the shower curtain so that when we walk into the bathroom, they jump out and go, rah, and, and we run screaming, right? You know, we think of, we think of maybe uh, this, this story that happened to, uh, to me one time. Uh, it's when we were living in Ocala, and we lived in this, this two-story house, and um, uh, in the middle of the night, I heard a loud bang. And in the middle of the night, when I hear a loud bang, I'm not entirely sure if I'm actually hearing something or not. Does anybody else, you hear a bang and you're like, did I just hear a bang? Was that a bang? Anybody else? Okay, a couple of people. Uh, Linda has bangs happen outside of her house on a regular basis. And so her house was almost hit again this week, if you don't know, by a runaway car again. Um, But... um, So I hear this bang, and I jumped out of bed. My first thought in my head was this. Somebody is is on our sliding door downstairs, and they popped it open, and they've broken into our house. And so I'm like, i got to get down there and do something about this really quickly, right? And so my heart is racing. I've got my blood is pumping. I'm just full of energy and adrenaline and also fear because I don't know who's down there. It could just be some teenager thinking he can grab a TV really quick and run out, or it could be some guys with guns wanting to come in and get more, right? And so I'm just like, all right, got to get down there. i got to scare them. And so my thought is I'm going to run down the stairs and jump out. Well, what happened was is not wearing socks, I hit the top step like this, and my foot slipped. And instead of running down the stairs, I tumbled down the stairs at about 2.30 in the morning, just do, 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 Okay? It really hurt. I'm not going to lie. It was painful. Okay? And these steps were steep. And uh, when, when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I discovered that the sliding door was intact and nobody had, in fact, broken into our house. 
And so that's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here, a fear where you're awakened in the middle of the night and terrified for your life. See, this fear is a reverence. It's a respect for God and who he is. You know, when you look at situations and circumstances and you say to yourself, God is the most important factor in this decision, and so what would he have me do? God, I'm desperate to hear your voice, and I don't know if I can go forward without hearing your voice. That is what is meant by fear here. And that's where the basis of wisdom starts. It starts with the person who is looking for wisdom to know their desperate need to live their life the way God intended them to. And so that's the assumption James makes when he writes these words in this text, in this letter, about wisdom. He's assuming that when you are chasing after wisdom, you are chasing after wisdom birthed out of a desperate desire to know what God's plan, purpose, and will is for your life in that situation. What does God want me to do in that situation? And so with that, let's read verses 5 through 8 in chapter 1 of the book of James. And this is what it says. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And so here's this verse. It's saying if you lack wisdom, we should ask God who generously gives to all. Okay, and so what's going on in life? What situations and circumstances are you finding yourself in when it comes to life? Are you facing temptations and trials? Are you um, facing any sort of other thing? Because all of these things in your life, you need wisdom to handle them. We need wisdom to get through them. And so James tells us to go to God and ask because he gives wisdom generously to all who ask. And it seems like a simple solution, doesn't it? Oh, let's just go to God and ask, you know, just like you go to your mom or dad and ask them something or go to somebody and ask them something. Let's just go to God and ask and he'll answer us. But here's the deal. A lot of people in the church, when it comes to asking God in regards to stuff in their life, instead of getting it from God, they kind of look into what's inside of them, what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind, and that's how they gain their wisdom. And it's not unique to us in the church. It's something that's been observed in all human beings. They've done research on this, and here's what they found. Most people think they are wiser and more intelligent than they actually are. You ready for this? People tend to, one, overestimate their own skill level, B, two, fail to recognize the expertise of other people, and three, fail to recognize their own mistakes. And then what they've also found is that most people, after they've made a terrible mistake, cannot look back, look into their heart and mind and see where they went wrong because they can't see where they went wrong. They have a limited view that is highly subjective of themselves. That's why we judge things in life based on our intentions, but we judge everybody else based on their actions, because we've got such a limited, high view of ourselves. From our limited perspective, we seem highly skilled, knowledgeable, 
and superior to others. And because of this, many people struggle to have a more, more realistic view of their own abilities and the wisdom that they have. What those same studies have also found is that the big difference between people who are wise and those who are not was that the people who are wise, it's what they believe about themselves. Okay, wise people don't think that they are the ones who have it all together. They also tend to believe that everyone is knowledgeable and that everyone has something to speak into their situation. So how does this relate to the wisdom that James is talking about? See, the person who is wisest is the person who realizes that they don't have the intelligence and wisdom in that situation, but there is somebody who does. There is a God out there who knows all, who sees all, who has an eternal perspective on everything that has the answers that we are looking for. And he's going to give that information to us generously. Now, with this word generously, I do want to kind of set a framework for this because when God says he gives generously, if you go to God and say, God, I want the, the, the blueprint for my entire life. Just give me from now until the day I die, okay? That's not going to happen, okay? God's not going to give you that blueprint because we do one of two things when we get that blueprint. We either freak out, right, because we're like, oh, snap, God's going to do that through me. Or we try to help God when we know what the plan is, right? And whenever we help God, we always make a mess, Okay, and so God does not give us that plan. Um, <laughs> he's also not going to give us complete clarity on every decision that we make. And so we're going to face many decisions where we're going to have to go into it with some fog up here in our brain, where we're going to have to step forward not entirely sure what God is speaking to us in that situation. And then the last thing I want to say with about God giving wisdom is this, okay? God does not care what kind of milkshake you want to get at Steak and Shake after church. I say that because have you ever met a person like this? This church I went to had this one guy, and I may have shared this story before, but he was so concerned with making sure that everything he did was within God's will and plan that he would literally stop and pray for everything. So you go up to him, Ted, that's not his real name, I can't even remember his real name, this was a long time ago, but you go up to him and you go, Ted, do you want to go get some Chinese after service tonight? We had a Saturday night service, I worked Sunday morning, so I went to the Saturday night service. He would literally stop, dear Jesus, should I go get Chinese after service? And he would wait for God to speak. And if he wasn't sure, or if he thought God was saying no to Chinese, he would then say, God, where do you want me to eat after church? And then he would suggest whatever place God burdened him with. Can I share something with you? God does not want that kind of control over your life, okay? If going to eat Chinese is a bad health decision, don't do it, okay? But God really doesn't care if you go get Chinese, PDQ, a steak, or anything else after service today, okay? It's up to you to eat what you want to eat. Just make sure you don't put yourself in a place where you're eating yourself to death, okay? Uh, that, 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 that's all. But, you know, we, God doesn't do that. But when, what he does do is give us wisdom to make the right, the best decisions and things that we face. And I hope you're saying to yourself, okay, 
How do we determine if what I'm hearing is coming from God or not? Because here's the challenge. Those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a while think that the ideas and thoughts that we have are God's ideas and thoughts. Once you've been walking with God for a long time, walking with Jesus for a long time, you compare your thoughts and your life with the way Jesus wants it to live because we come to a place where we kind of think we don't get it wrong anymore, where we're doing everything right. And, you know, if I think this way about a political issue, if you're a Christian, you got to think this way about a political issue. If I think this way about a financial issue, if you're a Christian, you got to think this way about a financial issue. And that's kind of how we do things. Some things we do know, I mean, we would know that if we were thinking that God was telling us to rob a bank to pay our bills, that that would be the wrong thing to do. At least, I hope you would in here. We could dismiss that as the tacos we had for dinner last night, but so many other things are just so hard to determine. This is where the second section where James talks about wisdom comes into play, and so we're going to read uh, from chapter 3 in the book of James, verses 13 through 18, and this is what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who show in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And you're saying to yourself, what does that have to do with what we were talking about? Well, here's what James is communicating with us. He is saying the best way to determine if the wisdom that we are getting is from God is by checking our motivations for the answer that we're searching for, that we're looking for, that we're asking about. What does that mean? We're praying for something. We're asking God for wisdom on something. We need to know what's inside of us and if that's the thing that's really motivating our decision. Because even those who've walked with Jesus a really long time don't think through the motivations behind their requests and their plans and the things that they do. You know, when thoughts and ideas pop into our head, we'll maybe stop and take a minute and pray and ask God to speak to us and then we assume that if God doesn't want us to do it, he'll just close that door. We never consider the reason that we are asking about something and whether or not that thing is a selfish ambition that we have in life. We never consider that what we are needing wisdom for is to take care of some insecurity that we've had our whole life. And we think that because it happened, because God allowed it to take place, that he is okay with it and he has put his stamp of approval on it. And so you may be saying to yourself, well, what are you trying to say? And giving an example here is, is really hard because you don't want somebody to all of a sudden go, ooh, he's talking about me. And so I'm just going to say a general one here that I have seen over and over again. And it comes to believers who are single who decide it's time to get married, okay? And this is no particular person in this room. It's just been my experience over and over and over again. So what they do is they find a person and they decide that they're going to marry them. And they kind of ignore the fact that their spiritual lives do not exactly line up. 
Now they get married and they're into marriage and they're discovering that the two of them are going in completely different directions. One wants to be involved in the things of God. The other one is going in a completely different direction and doesn't even want to have anything to do with Jesus. Now they're into a marriage and it's rough. It's not going like they thought it would. They need help, and so they begin to ask questions about why they got, so I begin to ask questions about why they got married in the first place, and I'm told things like this, that they prayed about it, and they had peace about it, but God did not intervene in the situation, so they thought it was okay. But see, further exploration, I find out that the person was fearful that if they did not say yes to this person and marry them, that they were going to live the rest of their lives single and not ever be married. See, we get into the real reason why they wanted to get married when we get into that. See, they wanted to get married because they were fearful, because they had a desire in their life that they wanted to meet And so they did it, thinking that if it was wrong, that God would come along and stop it from happening. And see, we do the same thing when it comes to what we are going to do, where we are going to live, the cars that we are going to buy, and the list could go on. I mean, last year I bought a Jeep. Did I stop and say, dear Jesus, I need you to speak to me if this is the vehicle that I should drive? Absolutely not. I saw it. I've wanted a Jeep for years and years and years, and I was finally in a place where I could get a Jeep. Not a new Jeep, man. I can't afford those $50,000 vehicles that people are driving these days. Okay? But, um, and so I just went out and did it. See, it was about me. It was about what I wanted. I wanted that Jeep, and so I went out and bought a Jeep. See, when we make decisions, we ask questions like this. How much money am I going to make? What are the schools like? Will I get good resale value on it? Here's the thing. All of those questions are fine. There's nothing wrong with those questions. But what we fail to consider is maybe there is more wisdom that we need in that situation than our own and this world's. Maybe there is a God that wants to speak wisdom from heaven above and give us a word that is beyond our own selfish desires. See, the verses that we read tell us plainly that this type of wisdom that we generally use is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. That makes you feel good, don't it? What did you do? I did a bunch of earthly, unspiritual stuff that's of the devil. Amen. Not what we want to hear. You know, I've, I've probably said this before, too. I, say, I think these same thoughts with the house that we bought when we first moved here, you know? It was, a, it was a good deal on the house, and it was in a good neighborhood, and we have a big yard. Big yards are of the devil, I'm convinced, okay? And so, um, but it was just a nice place. But then you think about the people that are, we're, we're ministering to at this church. They don't live out in my neighborhood. And so maybe... Maybe it was the wrong decision. Maybe I looked at the wrong factors when determining what house we're supposed to buy and where we're supposed to live. I'm not saying that we did make a mistake, that it wasn't God's plan. I just know that there was plenty of space in this decision for my heart, my will, and my desires to be lived out rather than stopping and saying, God, what is the wise thing? What kind of wisdom do you want to give me in this situation? See, instead, when we are discerning wisdom, we must consider, is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial 
and sincere. I mean, think about that. How many times when we are looking for wisdom in life do we stop and think about those things? You know, I really don't. Dear God, I'm considering a new job. If it's your will, please open that door for me, right? Dear God, we want a new house. If it's your will, please allow our house to sell and get us approved for this new mortgage. Dear God, and we could go on and on with the kind of prayers that we pray when it comes to wisdom in situations. But see, instead, James is challenging us to pray something like, Dear God, I want this job because it's going to pay more and be better for our family. But God, I only want to do it if it's going to produce good fruit in my life. God, please give me wisdom in this because making more money is a good thing. But this thing being all about me producing more fruit for your kingdom is the most important thing. And see, it's for this very reason that James challenges us to have faith and not doubt when it comes to asking for wisdom in situations like that. Why do we need to have faith? Uh, well, if we want wisdom in the way that God gives it out, the way James described it, it might get a little bit crazy in our life. Um, this is what Paul says about God's wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. He says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the, uh, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But those to whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strengths. See, God's wisdom is different from ours. You may have heard this phrase before. You may not. It's not a big deal. But uh, God's got just a whole different perspective. He's got like this upside-down kingdom mentality. If you want to get in the kingdom of God, the way to get is to give. That goes contrary to what we're taught here in this world, okay? And God says that in order to live your life, you must die, okay? He says that in order to be the leader of all, you must be the servant of all. He says that when you want to take revenge on your enemies, don't do it like the world would do it by going out and getting them. But he says love them like they've never been loved before. It takes a strong faith to live that out right there. It takes a really strong faith, and so that's why James says this. Because when we ask for wisdom from God, we're going to get stuff that's going to seem backwards, that's going to be different than what the world and even our own minds will tell us to do in those situations. James is letting us know that we need to be strong people of faith if we are to ask for wisdom from God. Because this wisdom is going to cause doubts to rise up in our brain and cause us to think that we are crazy. But we cannot waver. We cannot doubt. We can't let anything impact the wisdom that Jesus gives. Because when we let things impact God's wisdom in our lives, not only will we not receive anything from God, but we will be considered something else. We'll be considered a fool. We had mentioned Proverbs 1 a little bit ago, but we didn't read the whole verse, uh, chapter 7, uh, or verse 7 in chapter 1. 
And uh, the verse that we are talking about says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, when we fail to consider the wisdom of God in our situations and circumstances, we are a fool. It doesn't matter how much sense it makes to us. It doesn't matter how much money we are going to make. It doesn't matter how much better the schools are going to be for our kids. It doesn't matter how sound the logic and wisdom is on something. If we are doing what is right to us without inserting the wisdom of God into the situation, we are foolish people who lack faith. Now, I will say this. Just because it, make, or just because it makes sense doesn't mean it's God. You know what I mean by that? I don't want you to walk away from, away from this going, man, I feel guilty because I bought this car this way, I got this house, using that same sort of, sort of, sort of thinking. Um, see, after our Wednesday night message, uh, somebody came up and said to me that they feel guilty because they're not persecuted for their faith. And that wasn't the point in my message to try and make people feel guilty because they weren't being persecuted for their faith. And what I'm trying to get at here is this. God may want us to have the job with the better salary and benefits. God may want us to live in that certain neighborhood. God may want us to have that really expensive vehicle. But what I hope you take away from this today is that in our decisions in life, we should not rely on the conventional wisdom that most of us have when it comes to making decisions. Our decision-making process should not be the phrase, that makes a lot of sense. Because Jesus is not asking us to have wisdom based upon, that makes a lot of sense, but he is asking us to have wisdom based upon the wisdom that he gives, and sometimes the wisdom that he gives and the plans that he has in our minds, in our brain, do not make sense. And he says, ultimately, that when we miss out on that sort of thing, when we miss out on that wisdom we're supposed to have, we become fools. This also doesn't mean that we have to live our life in fear either of always missing out on what God has for us and always getting it wrong. Because I know some people will walk away from here this morning and they'll say to themselves, man, have I gotten all of these decisions wrong? Have I done them from the wrong point of view? Have I gotten myself so far away from God because of these poor decisions I've made? And I've messed up all kinds of future decisions as well. We can't live our lives with that sort of burden. We just have to make the choice that going forward from today, we are going to ask ourselves different questions when it comes to having wisdom. Okay, we are going to look at things from a different perspective when it comes to wisdom and that we are going to look at the decisions we are making, the things that we are thinking, and we are going to try and determine and check our motivations in going into those. Making sure that our motivations and our heart is in the right spot, that God, we are doing this because we want to see your kingdom grow, because we want to see your kingdom advance, because we want to see your power and presence and might do its work in and through me. And if we ask God to check our hearts and make sure we are doing what we are doing for the glory of God, we're going to be okay. We had a devotional, those of you 
um, who did the, uh, the prayer and fasting with us. And, and one of the days was just so powerful. Or maybe it wasn't in the, I don't remember where I got it from. It was just in one of the devotionals I was doing online. And uh, this one was really interesting. It says this, we want our prayers answered, all of our prayers answered. The number one reason why our prayers are not answered is we are not focused on the glory of God. Think about the prayers in your life. Do you want to be happy in your marriage or do you want God to be glorified in your marriage? Do you merely want your kids to be nice and not get in trouble or do you want God to be glorified in their lives? Do you simply want to get out of your financial mess and feel some relief or do you want God to be glorified in your finances? See, our motivation for prayer should not just be centered on ourselves so we can have what we need. God thrives when he can prove himself. He wants to be glorified in and through us. He wants to be glorified in the earth. God will share that glory with no one. He deserves nothing less than all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Glorifying God has to be the motive of our prayers, not just relief from the circumstances and situations that we face. I mean, really, when we just say that, God, will I glorify you in this job, God? Will I be able to glorify you with this vehicle, God? Will I be able to glorify you with this house? It puts a whole different perspective on what we are doing. And it allows us to tap into wisdom that many times we don't get a hold of because we're too busy asking the questions, can I afford it? Is the payment too much? Is this a good neighborhood for my kids? And then, a second thing is making sure that we are spending time in the Word of God, in the Bible, in the books and letters contained in the Bible, because so much of the wisdom that we need is contained in there. And so if we're just reading it and knowing it, we're going to have so much wisdom to access. And it answers so many questions. Can I tell you a question that it answers that so many people ask themselves? Who should I marry? It's in the Bible. You say to yourself, well, are you sure about that? Because it doesn't say in here I should marry Susie. No. See, here's the deal with marriage. We've got this, we've over-spiritualized this. I'm getting on another soapbox that I have. We over-spiritualize this, okay? We think that there's one person out there. And that if we don't marry that one person, we're screwed, right? That's not how it works. God put a picture of a good husband and a good wife in the scriptures. And if you find a person that meets those qualifications, they are marriage material, okay? There's not one person that you're hunting the whole earth for because really, what happens is, if one person marries the wrong person, it's all screwed up, okay? And by the time we've gotten to this point in world history, None of us are married to the right person, all right? Let's just, let's just remember that. <laughs> but we can get that wisdom that we need in so many things from that book, from that word. So just spend time reading it, and God will pour so much into us to help us to be wise. And so let's be wise people in this room. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church Podcast. 
FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.